If you're worried about your own or someone's mental health, start the conversation and access support. Visit www.stagehattie.com.au slash get help for a list of services. This week's episode of Unannounced is proudly brought to you by Borders by the Bay. Be sure to join the movement by using the code UNANNOUNCED15 at the checkout for a cheeky discount off your order. This week's episode is a little different, as I'll be sitting down with one of my good friends, Danielle Morrison. Danielle and I spoke about my childhood, moving to Australia, and so much more. Hope you enjoy. going good thanks Danielle how are you going I'm very well thank you that's thank good you that's good me to uh, interview you on your episode of the podcast series I'm very honored that you asked me so thank you so much I'm all interested right, to right. to hear what you're going to talk about today so I'd be interested to find out from you a bit about your childhood sort of um, from when you were born I know you've obviously relocated but if you want to talk about your childhood and the key sort of events that happened from when you were born? I was born in uh, Guinea, West Africa. Moved to Australia when I was five, five, I think. And um, I don't really remember much about being born in Guinea. Every now and then I'll have like these dreams of like a one red shed that I remember. And I think that's where we everyone lived. But yeah, so I moved to Australia when I was five with my dad, my sister and my uncle. Did you all come to Tasmania from the start? And do you know why your dad chose Tasmania? Yeah, we came to Tasmania from the start. And choosing wise, I don't know really. I think we just got all got put in this refugee camp in West Africa, in Guinea, sorry. And um, yeah, I think in the refugee camp, you don't really get to pick where you go. I think you just apply to come to a country and then whatever whatever country is sort of accepting refugees at that stage but you you get put into or you go to sorry family got selected and got moved to uh moved to australia to tassie do you know why they your dad chose to leave um or had to leave i think yeah there was a war going on at that time i think dad just wanted to get out and leave starting a whole new life or i didn't really want us growing up in sort of that situation and everything that was going on it wasn't really safe and i think dad fled from sierra leone where he was born and moved to guinea i think that's where he met my mom or, or whatever but then had me well they had me in guinea so they actually moved from sierra leone where all the war was happening to guinea which was a little bit safer but not too safe not much of a difference and then that's when dad i think decided to move to australia or move out of the out of guinea and so your mum didn't ever come with you all that's a little story in itself which i'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later but yeah no at that time mum didn't come down and she stayed in guinea and so what was it like early on in your childhood and where did you go to school and um what was your sort of childhood school life like once you got to tasmania school was okay um i was a bit of a i was a bit of an attention seeker when i was at school and i think that was mainly because things at home weren't really great and i wasn't maybe getting the attention from dad that maybe my little sister was getting at the time and more anyone who knows me i like to be the center of attention i like to be the guy at the party or whatever who sort of tries to make everyone laugh and everything resolves around them so I think having not having that attention at home and trying to fetch for that attention at school got me in trouble a few times so when I got to high school I got suspended a few times because of that whole attention seeking sort of thing and our high school especially was very um very interesting like I remember in primary school actually me and dad had a fight one night because I don't know I didn't do something or whatever and I decided that I'd run away there's this park in um in Newtown I would go and sit in that park for like I don't know, three, four hours and just sit in this um, little train. The fights with Dad and I were so 
hectic or continuous that it got to a point where he didn't really well I felt like he didn't really care anymore if I did run away or not and there was so many times that like police would get called home because I was gone for so long like even when I was staying at mates house I'd, and I'd be gone for like two three days and he wouldn't know that I was gone next thing I know is I got like my cousins ringing me saying there's police at home looking for you and all this sort of stuff that was sort of my childhood living at home so it was a bit hectic at times but yeah why do you think that relationship was like that with your dad I think just the whole how his parents raised him was completely different to, I guess, how kids in Australia raised. So I think he tried to install that, um, the way his parents raised him into me. And I, and that didn't work because like, obviously we're different people and I'm that type of person who, like I said before, seeks attention. And if I didn't get the attention, I would misbehave and all this sort of stuff, which caused tension between us. So yeah, I think that played a huge role. And would you say, obviously you had a lot of challenges through your childhood, but would you say you had a good childhood and upbringing? Yes, but at the same time, it was a difficult childhood. Like, I don't know, I think I tried so hard to... um get acceptance from my dad that the harder I tried the harder it became for him to accept me for who I was like I remember when my cousins moved to Australia a bit later on like my cousins Vincent and George were very smart and it was already hard trying to get that um attention from my dad with my sister around so when my um cousins moved to Australia that mattered 10 times harder because they were so smart like academically sport dad compared them with me a lot so for example one day after grad six finished, we got our um, reports and me not being very good at school, if it's not anything to do with sport, I didn't get the best mark. I knew going home I would be in, in trouble. So I threw my report away and um, so I got home and dad asked me where my report was and he was like, and I was like, sorry, um, oh, I haven't got it yet. Sorry, we'll get it soon. And he's like, okay. Um, and then he looked at Vincent's report and like he had all A's and everything and he just was just saying, oh, your report better be like Vincent's or even better or else you're going to be in trouble and all this sort of stuff. And I knew straight away that it, my report was nowhere near what Vincent's was. So, yeah, it was very hard to um, get that acceptance. So, yeah, I, I don't think he's ever, we might have, but from what I know, I don't think he's ever said that he was proud of me or anything like that. And I think that's just all I wanted to hear, which made things very hard for us to, to grow a relationship. That's hard. You've got plenty of people in your life now that have recently that love you and, and you're not saying that your dad doesn't, but whether he struggles to show it. But there's so many people that are proud of you, especially for everything that you're doing now. So I'm personally very proud of you. When did that change then? Because obviously you, you want to talk about what happened with transitioning with Katie. I met Katie in prep. I was in class with her um, daughter, Hannah. Katie was one of the assistant teachers at Newtown Primary. And yeah, so when I met Katie, um, I didn't know it then, but that was probably one of the best days of my life, if not the best day of my life. I'd stay at their house every now and then. I'd play, I played soccer with Hannah. Like it's, it's hard talking about that family and just everything that they've done for me, but especially Katie. So yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I moved in with them on and off like in grade grade eight that's when I was going through a pretty rough time so I moved in with them and yeah ever since then I've just been living with them well I lived with you guys for a fair a fair bit but yeah it was on and off mates couches and stuff like that what's the relationship like with your dad now um try I called him the other uh, a few months ago actually like I hadn't spoken to him for about two and a half years which we'll touch on a little bit later the reason behind that but yeah I hadn't talked to him for ages and I called him just to see how he was going and yeah it was probably the shortest conversation I've ever had with anyone mm. I think it went for like a minute 30 I was just like okay I haven't talked to you for two and a half years and yeah but we just had a conversation for a minute and 30 seconds and not really a strong relationship but oh well so you obviously 
had those challenges and you met Katie and her beautiful family and they, they really have supported you a lot over the years, which is great. I know you're really into your sport. So do you want to talk about that? And I guess your love of that and how that potentially has helped you a lot over the years? Yeah, so um, sport for me has probably been, well, apart from my friends and the family support that I have with Katie and obviously your family and some other families, the best thing for me. Like I never really played sport because I wanted to or I aspired to go somewhere with it, like football, soccer or anything like that. You have those dreams of maybe kicking a goal at the MCG and all that sort of stuff. Like that's a dream, but it was never really, I think, that I worked for it was just just there but sport was always Mm. something a a place for me to let go of everything that was going on and spend an hour or whatever how long it was with just people that are there for with one common goal and that's just to win and I'm a very competitive person so having those two things was really good for me and sport played a huge role in my my life and in my development like sport was always something that I was very excited to go to like I played everything like one stage I was playing cricket and I absolutely hate cricket I was playing squash in in um, high school, played soccer, played football, tried to do water polo in, in high school and realised I couldn't swim, so that didn't go great. Um, <laughs> I did cross country, like every sport you could think of, I gave it a go just because I didn't want to go home and have to deal with how my dad was going to treat me or I just wanted to be out there playing sport. And if I wasn't playing sport, I'd be messing around with your brother. I just didn't want to go home really. So that's what sport was for me. Do you want to talk about what you're doing with sport now, what you've been doing recently with sport and I guess just schooling and education and everything? Yeah. So um, sport wise, obviously with this whole COVID thing going on, um, I'm just playing, I moved back to Tassie for the rest of the year because football in Geelong got cancelled. I'm, I'm currently living in Geelong studying. But yeah, so football got cancelled. So moved back to Tassie and just playing some footy with some mates down here and yeah, just sort of doing that. But currently studying international relations and politics at Deakin. So yeah, that's been really interesting and really good especially with everything going on in the world lately so there's been a lot of um, assignments but like like I said as soon as I moved back to Tassie the first thing I wanted to do was find a sports team because I knew I didn't want to be stuck at home yeah sports just means everything to me and your um, uh, international relations course and everything degree that you're doing now is that do you feel like you've found what you're meant to do career-wise because obviously you did struggle for a while there if you're trying to figure out what your the next part of your life looked like out of college and course you were going to do do you feel sort of comfortable and settled with what you're doing now and see that as your career moving forward yeah definitely like like you said um so in high school I didn't really know what I wanted to do I was just I think school has always been a thing that I had to do yeah it was just there I had to do it and I just go through the motions like oh I, I know I wasn't good at school like if it had nothing to do with PE or even drama like I did drama for ages which not many people know about if it wasn't anything to do with sport I didn't want to buy of it got suspended so many times in high school like it's ridiculous i don't even know how i got house captain <laughs> like yeah it's, it's it's actually crazy it's so messed up but i even was yeah anyway moved to geelong um did a bit of teaching for a year and it wasn't really what i wanted to do once again i just went through the motions and decided that i'd do something like this because everyone's going to uni and everyone's doing teaching or sports science or stuff like that so i thought i'll just jump on the bandwagon and i did teaching and that sucked but um yeah after a few years i even did like a real estate course <laughs> for a bit because i was just so confused on what i wanted to do yeah so then i found international relations um 
last year and yeah it's been it's been amazing like it's probably one of the best choices i've made like it's such a good course and if anyone listens to this biggest advice i'd say to them is just don't rush into picking a degree or picking something you want to do because one not only you have a huge hex fee at the end of it but also (laughs) just take your time with things like it's not uni's always going to be there like katie's currently studying at uni like and she's 50 she's had seven Mm. kids and she's gone back to school like back to study like just having her as an example, uni's always going to be there. Like, do the little things, go yeah. travel, spend time with your friends and your family. Like, you don't have to rush into these things. Definitely. Yeah. There's so much pressure now to kind of just race through and just do stuff because that's what you're meant to do. But totally agree. Huge advocate for taking time and having a bit of a break and figuring out exactly what you want to do before, yeah, rushing into something and making a potentially making a mistake. And it's hard to know at that age, right? Like, 18, it's so young. Yeah, it was very hard. Like, I, I talked about it in um, my chat with Matt Hansen. Like in college, once again, with my with school, like I was a little shit in college. I, I just didn't want to be there really. And I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I think I ended up with an ATAR of zero. <laughs> like I literally had a, no ATAR. And like that comes back to the point of not rushing to anything. Like you don't need a high ATAR to get into uni. I had an ATAR of zero and I've got into a course that you need an ATAR of 65, 70. You just don't need these high grades. Like if you want to, like if you do get them, well, that's great. Well done. Congratulations. But for those who are finding it very hard to get these grades like you just you don't need these things there's so many other gateways into getting a degree that you, it's ridiculous that how much they push kids to get a higher mark and all these crazy ATARs to be and something that really you don't need to stress too much about but yeah mm-hmm. that's just how I look at things I'm kind of interested to know to know why you started this podcast. The real reason how it came up was I was, I was really bored at home one night and just completed Netflix, like Stan. I'd watched everything and I was just like, what do I do? I had just done my last uni exam and I was bored and I was like, oh, well, let's let's just start a podcast. And it was a bit of a joke at the start. But once I had that first chat with Asha, it sort of opened up my mind. Like I didn't even know that Asha had two, two siblings, let alone they had a disability. So finding things like that out from a guy who was, I've been friends with for ages, which just really opened my mind. I was just like, well, what other things don't I know about my friends? And then the more I talked about them or talked to them about it, I was like, well, this is actually cool. Let's say this a bit more serious. And then I started having more more conversations with people and getting to know them a little bit more. And now I just decided maybe let's go from being having a bit of a joke and starting a podcast and maybe taking it a little bit serious and finding out more things about people. And maybe potentially I'll be able to help someone who's struggling if they do listen to the podcast. So yeah, I guess at the start it was a bit of a joke but now it's sort of gone to something that I really, really enjoy doing and really like hearing people's stories and if it can help anyone who's going through mental health or anything, if it's just injuries and stuff like that, by listening to this podcast, it's that's awesome. And yeah, I'm happy that I can help. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Throughout this next section of the podcast, I'll be talking about a time I faced a challenge, setback or failure, how it affected me, what I learned from it and any advice I'd be willing to offer. Yeah, um, well, the two that I have, I hope no one ever goes through them. But if they do, then yeah. Um, well, one of them, obviously, last year I found out that um, my mum was still alive. So the backstory of that is when we moved to Australia, me and my dad, and my uncle, and my sister, I got told that um, my mum had passed away. Which uh, obviously, hearing that at I don't know six, ten, whatever, 
it's not the best best news but then i didn't really process it and i wasn't really i was like okay whatever but the order that i got and like the more sort of i started thinking about it the more started to affect me so last year i got a bit of a random phone call from my auntie now she was like oh your mum wants to talk to you and i was like okay whatever like what are you talking about my mum's dead and she's been dead for however long got the phone call and then I think I was just like, hi, Joseph, my name's Cinder and I'm your mum. And I was like, what? Okay. Like, I still didn't believe it. And a bit of me still doesn't believe it to him today. I talked to her for so long and like, it was probably the most emotional I've ever been or one of the most, most emotional times I've ever had. And yeah, we just talked to her for ages and yeah, and I was planning to go over and see her last year. But obviously, well, some stuff happened with dad not wanting me to go and see her and they had a bit of a fight and so that trip got cancelled and yeah. Do you talk to her much still since that uh, no, trip no. was cancelled? Uh, I did for a little bit like I sent her a bit of money because she was she was a bit sick and I needed to help her in some way. I didn't really know what the money was going to if she actually was sick or not but I just thought that I think especially for families no matter your um, race that moved to a country like Australia the family that you leave back home has a very uh, high standard of you and they expect mm. you to sort of be the provider for them. And that's what dad had been for ages for my mum, I guess. And I think that's, so when dad found out that I was planning on going, I think that's what made him angry that she didn't talk to him first about the whole thing. So that's why he didn't want me to go anymore. I think, or well, I felt as if she thought that I was going to be the provider, but I'm, I was 21. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I'm living in Geelong, I eat noodles <laughs> eat noodles for like <laughs> most of my dinners in Geelong. You know, I ask my housemates. My cooking isn't great. So just sort of struggling with that. You're and not a really student ha- as yeah, well, I'm like you're a full-time honest. student. Yeah, not really having that much income myself. So I got my savings and just sent her my savings. And I was just like, well, I know probably this isn't much to you, but this is like so much to me. Yeah, I just sent it to her. And I was like, you can do whatever you want with it. And if, it, if you are sick, then hopefully this can take care of you. But if you're not, then just spend it how you want to. And um, yeah, I think since then, I just haven't really talked to her. I was so fine not knowing that she was alive. And I think I became, I started accepting the whole situation and started moving on a bit more. And when mm. I did find out that she was, I think, yeah, that threw me off so much. And like I talked on how sport meant everything to me before, but then I did find that she was alive. Yeah, I'd have really good days and have really good conversations with her and all that sort of stuff. But there was like, there was like a two and a half month span where I just hated everything. Like I hated the situation I was in. I hated it knowing that she was alive. I just didn't want anything to do with her, which sounds so bad. But at the same time, like I had grown up all my life knowing or thinking that she was dead and then finding out randomly that she's not and then processing that and then going or planning to go see her and then that getting cancelled and just everything just, yeah, everything started to crumble mm. a lot. And it was just a setback after setback after setback. And going to football training, I didn't want to go. Like there was times I'd sit in my car to sit there and I'll just watch like the first 20 minutes of football and I just was like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. And I'll go, go and train and then someone would say something, just the smallest thing would piss me off and I'll get in a fight with that person. I'll get in an argument with that person. I was just like, this is not me. And like even at football, a game, so I just wouldn't talk. And I'm, you know me, I'm, I don't shut up. <laughs> so for me to go from someone who doesn't shut up to someone who's practically a mute compared to others, um, yeah, people knew that there was something wrong, but me being me, just says, just saying, no, I'm fine and all, all that sort of stuff. But no, I definitely wasn't fine. And I think now, thinking about it, even talking about it now, I'm glad that I realised that. And yeah. That's a lot to deal with. Like, And I know that we t- we've talked about 
a lot through all of this and I kept asking you to go and talk to someone professionally and I guess independent from your life about it. Did you ever do that or do you feel like you should do that at some point now? Um, I don't know. Thinking about going to go see a psychologist or whatever, social worker or whatever, that was like, that was hard for me. Um, it still is. Like, I've, honestly, I've, dri- I've driven to like Headspace and stuff like that and try to go in and talk to someone. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, nah, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want these people knowing what's going on with me because there's so many other people out there who are going through worse things. What I'm going through is just nothing compared to what they're going through. So I'm just like, well, instead of me wait, or taking up their time, I'll let someone else who's going through something bigger go and have a conversation because they might need it a bit more than me. Like I've got a great supportive network around me. I'm so thankful for these people so I can go talk to them and sort of stuff like that. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be something that it's going to take me a long time to do. Like I've wanted to do it, but yeah. just like building that courage, I guess. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I started this for people who maybe don't want to go see someone like a social worker or whatever and they just want to have a chat to a mate about it. So yeah, I guess that's one of the reasons why I started this. That's mm, a good. It's a good platform for, to allow you to talk through. I guess what's going on in your head and your emotions. I think sometimes you start talking and you don't realise how you're feeling at times until you actually start to vocalise it and start yeah. to make a bit more sense of it. And I did. It's interesting to actually hear you talk this much, Joseph, because you normally <laughs> don't talk this much about your personal situation. You'll talk about everything else but you don't normally open up personally so it's brave of you to do it i'm glad that you're doing it any more on that or talk about the other the other sort of challenge that you've faced yeah so um in grade um 11 or grade 12 sorry i was seeing a lovely girl by the name of bonnie uh bonnie cooper (laughs) um anyway um yeah so there was a night out that i was back in hobart and she was in launceston and um i was me being me, I was um, in town and this girl um, came up to me and started having a conversation and all this other stuff. And um, one thing led to another and then we ended up making out and all that sort of stuff. And then, um, yeah, the night went on, but nothing nothing else happened. And then we both went our own ways. And then um, I went home and the next day I got a knock on the door. And I was like, this is rain because this is when I was living by myself at that time in um, Lena Valley. And I got a knock on the door and it was the police. And I was like, okay, what? Like I remember, I still remember this day. Like I was literally laying in bed watching um, The Block. Great show that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching The Block and, yeah, I got a knock on the door and, yeah, it was the police. And they're like, oh, are you Joseph Ben-Gura? And I was like, yeah. And, like, oh, well, and I was like, why is that? And they're like, um, such and such has accused you of sexual assaulting her, sexually assaulting her. And I was like, sorry, what? And they're like, yeah, um, this happened last night in town. Um, she came in this morning and had a conversation to us and she has accused you for sexually assaulting her. And I was, and I just, as you can probably imagine, um, I just dropped everything and my heart, like my heart sunk. Anyway, they came in, they asked me if anyone else was home and I said no. And um, I went down to the police station with them and I was down there for like four or five hours. When you get to the police station, obviously they ask you if there's anyone that you want to call a lawyer you want to bring in or anything and obviously you're probably thinking right now that I'd be calling Katie or whatever but me being the type of person I am didn't want anyone knowing about it so like we had an interview did a swab test did like fingerprints and all these like it was it was hectic it was like it was from a movie like I'd never like you see these things on tv but you never actually think it would ever happen to you yeah anyway so 
did all that. All right, they drove me back home and um, yeah, so got back home, went to my room and just, yeah, broke down in tears and um, just... Were you 18? No, 19 actually, because grade 12, yeah, I just turned 19. Mm. Having to tell Bonnie that that, that happened was just, yeah, oh, that sent me sideways. But that went on for ages and the messed up thing about the whole situation was I'll go to town because I just didn't want to talk about it. I just want to forget because I knew it didn't happen. I just wanted to forget about everything. And but I would still see her and she'll try to have conversations with me. And I'm just like, are you, are you serious right now? The police told me not to um talk to her or anything like that. So I didn't do that. But at the time I was like, if someone has done that to you, surely that's the last thing you'd want to do with trying to make it or trying to strike up a conversation with them. So that was just that just sent me sideways and like there was one night that I did see her and then she tried to talk to me. Like I just broke down crying in the middle of town and everyone's just like, what, what, what's going on here? And I had to call Katie to come pick me up. Like she didn't even know what was going on, but I had to call her to go pick, come pick me up. And I just lied and said, oh, I'm not feeling too well. I think I've been, I've got food poisoning or something like that. I just made up a stupid excuse just to get her to pick me up. Yeah. So that went on for ages and I'd see her friends in town and I'll just get abused by her friends. Like you're, you're a dickhead. Why, how, why would you do something like that? Like, you're crazy like it's just all this stuff I was just copying it left right and center and I was just like I can't I can't do anything here because I just remember started getting all these um thoughts of I'm a black male 19 year old and a white Australian girl has accused me of sexually assaulting her I think that's what scared me the most when I told Katie um that was probably the the hardest thing I've ever had to do like because she had just done so much for me my whole life and just always been there for me well, I thought this was going to let her down and just she was just going to hate me forever and all this sort of stuff. I remember we drove to the North Hobart laundromat. I was like, oh, I need to talk to you about something. And she was like, oh, can't you just do it in the car? And we had um, someone else in the car. I was like, nah, I need to talk to you like this, just you and I. And she's like, okay. We got into the laundromat and I was like, and she's like, well, what, what's going on? You haven't got anyone pregnant, have you? I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like in my mind, I was like, I wish. Like, I wish that was the issue, but like mm. it was worse than that. And she was like, oh no. And then I told her and she just like, she was speechless. Like she didn't even know what to say. And I just remember like breaking down in tears because I just knew that, well, I thought that she was just going to like, just didn't want anything to do with me, but it was completely the opposite. Like she was there with me the whole time, everything that happened and just, yeah, I had it. I had the, probably the best supportive network at that time. Like my football club, North Hobart, like the Dorans at that time were just, oh, because I told them first before I even told Katie. Yeah, they were there for me every night. They call me, checking to see how I was doing. I'd go for kicks with their kids and just like they'd make me dinner and just oh yeah, it was unreal. But um anyway, mm. a few months later, this is yeah. So this happened from the start of well from the middle of the grade twelve term two or whatever to the end of grade twelve. Anyway, the last day of grade twelve. I got a phone call from um, my football coach saying that um, the police couldn't find any evidence and she's dropped the case and she said that it didn't happen. Yeah, when um, wow. when I found that out, like I remember all the boys were with me when I got that phone call and I've cried in front of people, but oh, just that day it was just, it was just messed up. It was because it's the end of grade 12. Like you've just mm. had your leave this dinner. You just had, I was so hungover that day. <laughs> And that was the last phone call that I wanted, but because if it went the other way, like my life would have just turned upside down in a mm. like in a flash. But hearing that first charges had been dropped because there was no evidence and that she, well, she knew that it didn't happen, yeah, it was amazing. Went and picked up my clothes, like they took all my clothes because I, I 
at that moment, I couldn't figure out like what was going on and they wanted to know what I was wearing that night. And I just, I was so shaken up that they just had to take most of my clothes just to take, just to like check them all and everything. They took my phone, they took my laptop, they took everything. Yeah. So when I picked all that sort of stuff up and like, I put the clothes straight in the bin, like I just didn't want anything to do with those things. So for like two weeks, I was wearing the same clothes because I just, like, they practically took all my clothes. So yeah, when I picked them up, put them in a bin, just went home and just cried. But yeah, telling Bonnie that that happened um she was a lovely girl and probably one of the best things that um has happened to me but me being me was a pretty uh stupid and stubborn kid back then so let that one slip but anyway um yeah so telling her like she knew something was wrong that night like i was or something had been wrong i wasn't myself and um she was actually in bali with the family on a family holiday she wanted me to call her and i was like oh nah uh, it's okay, I won't do that. Um, and she, she was like, "Oh, we we need to have comp- we need to talk though." And she thought I was going to break up with her. And I was like, oh, "Okay, that's um, that's not going to happen." But you might break up with me though. She's like, "What do you mean?" And then yeah, I told her what happened, and yeah, she was uh, pretty shaken up. Um, as you'd imagine, we we broke up, but she helped me through everything. So did her family, and um, yeah, she. <sighs> I don't know. Yeah, no, she was, um, she played a big part in my life and especially that, that year 12. She was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's even, yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard mm. talking about, talking about her. Yeah. You still in touch with her now, Bonnie? Ah, uh, uh, no, not really. We had a few, uh, yeah, we, I think just from when that happened, like we went back out for a little bit and then just things just weren't right. I, I think that just yeah. was a very, uh, we did try it, but things just, just kept on going downhill since then. And, yeah, we just sort of ended it. Like anyone who saw me around with her know, knows how like how happy I was with her and all that sort of stuff. I was finding so hard talking about her. Did you ever um, find out anything more about yeah, well, the person that made the claim and why? Or I got a random message one day and it was from this girl and she messaged me and said, so this girl was actually friends with the girl who um, accused me of that sexual assault. So she was mm-hmm. just apologising to everything because once they found out that this didn't happen, they obviously all messaged me and just apologised and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so I got a random message. And, um, yeah, so this girl had done it again to another guy. Right. And, yeah, so the girl the girl who messaged me was just like, is this true? Because I knew I know this happened to you as well. Did this actually happen? Because she's accusing my boyfriend of doing the same thing. And I was like... I don't know about your boyfriend, but for me personally, this is not true. Like, why would you even believe someone who's done something like that to someone? And they've done it again a second time. Like, even if it did happen, like, no one's going to believe her. I hope nothing like that happens to you. But if it does, no one's going to believe you because you've already done this before. Yeah, ever since then, I haven't really had anything to do with her. I haven't spoken to her. haven't seen her, thank God. So you've obviously... You faced a lot, Joseph, in your life, a lot of adversity and a lot of challenges. Is there anything that you've kind of learnt through all of this? Any kind of key message or advice? Um, Well, with the whole um, sexual assault incident, probably don't be dishonest and disloyal because if I wasn't, then none of this would have happened. But then again, I've learnt that I've, I I knew that I did, but I, it's um, reassured me of how strong the supportive network that I have around me. Like anything that I go through, anything that happens to me, I've always got people who have my back and like mm. I've got some of the most amazing friends anyone could have. Use, use your supportive network, I guess. That's one of the key lessons I've learned from this. 
when you're like that, when you're that individual, you attract those people. So you have those traits as well. And that's why you're surrounded by those people in your life. And I think the biggest thing that I've personally just picked up from everything that you just talked about then is that know the network that you have and don't go through anything alone, right? Like you can open up people. They're going to be there for you as challenging as it is. It makes me so, so shattered and heartbroken to think that you went through a lot of that on your own for a period of time. It doesn't surprise me that you did because I know what you're like, but it's great that when you did open up, you just had so many people wrap their arms around you. One thing that I've learned from all the conversations I've had with these people is just sort of, I'm going to I'll admit this, I was always one to do this, but sort of judging people from what you've heard or what you've some, someone said about them or, or what you've heard about them. And I think just even though the things you've heard about people may not be great, give them time and or allow them to... Yeah, allow them to show you who they are instead of listening to what other people have said. I've not been friends with people because of some of the things I've heard about them from others. And I'm sure people haven't been friends with me because some of the things that they've heard from others about me. And I think mm-hmm. we need to, especially with everything going on in the world today and all that sort of stuff, we need to, even if things are bad, give someone five, 10 minutes to show you who they really are because you don't know they might be completely different to who or what that someone said about them. And they may have been going through something difficult, which has caused them to be that. So I think mm-hmm. just giving people Definitely. time to um, sort of express who they are and yeah, show you who they are is a, probably one of the biggest lessons or biggest things I've learned these conversations I've been having. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so proud of you for sharing everything <laughs> that you just did. I was not expecting that at all. Especially for you to go into that level of detail. I try and press you and I get a, oh yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, that was, that was pretty shit, but yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. subject. this has helped me a lot. Like listening to all these people, like I can't be yeah. one who tries to or spread the message that it's okay to be okay and get people to talk about their problems. But then again, me be sitting in the background. Yeah. Not do this, not do that myself. And I think I've become a bit more comfortable with who I am and what I'm trying to achieve not only in my life, but trying to help other people with what they're going through. So if Mm -hmm. anyone's sort of listening to this, have that conversation and um, yeah, you never know where, where it could lead to, I guess. Oh, that makes me so happy. I love hearing (laughs) you say that. (laughs) All right, couple of quick rapid fire questions to end up the episode. Tomato or barbecue sauce? Oh, well, definitely tomato sauce. <laughs> oh, I just can't stand people who use barbecue sauce, but anyway, but that goes back <laughs> to the whole give, give people a chance to show who, you who they really are because <laughs> yeah. you never know. There might be a reason behind it. So, yes, but tomato they sauce. They might be good people even though they, they like barbecue sauce. They might be. You never know. <laughs> Hungry Jacks or McDonald's? Uh, McDonald's. Chicken or beef? Oh, <laughs> is it throwing me off? I thought you could ask my ones. Um, uh, beef. Beef? Yeah, chicken. Okay. Depends what you're having chicken with, but beef, yeah. You can do more with beef. Okay. <laughs> uh, and do you have, Joseph Bangora, any hidden talent? Um, hmm. This is your question. So yeah, I know. Sure but you have an answer to it. I haven't really thought about this. Um, I've been learning how to play the piano a bit. That's about it, really. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's it. Thank <laughs> yeah. you. Thanks for having Indeed. me on. That's okay. Thanks. Thanks for doing it. Really, really appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's been great. Pleasure. Thanks for hopping on. Very proud of you.